Hi. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, thank you so much for coming here um, onto the podcast. Uh, thank you for spending your time and giving your energy. Um, I guess just so you know that this is a heroes podcast and I have uh, heroes come on and I realize before having you come on today is I think anyone that makes any decision is heroic and uh, and particularly um, just like the I don't know if it's a job type or just whatever it is that you are seeking and answering I think is super cool um, and I just love to talk to you about that but I guess can you uh a little hard but can you tell people who you are and what you like to do yes and sorry if there were any weird background sounds or I look distracted I just had a incense potentially turning to fire situation oh here, shit so. <laughs> I wonder what kind of omen that is for our conversation <laughs> uh, um all good though yeah I I'm in a, so I work primarily with human design and astrology, but I'm always paying attention to patterns and cycles and modalities other than my main ones as well. And I say that because I'm about to bring up that I'm in a zero year or a one year, not zero is well, whatever, same thing, a one year, uh, numerologically. Okay. And I'm just really feeling that like felt the culmination and a lot of endings over the last bit of time. And I still feel very much in gestation around what, what are the next like phrases and identities that I'm going to use to describe what my work is. Um, right. So I don't, I don't have any like quick, succinct ways to talk about what I do right now, but uh, some less succinct ways of talking about it are, are I've been an astrologer for about seven years. I use yeah. astrology professionally. And then in the last few years, I've gotten really into human design. And um, in astrology, I'm in Aries, Sun, Sagittarius, Moon, and Rising. In human Ooh. design, I'm a 5-2 emotional manifester with the wow. cross of upheaval. So even if people don't know what that means, I'm guessing most people listening don't. I sometimes like to just include that cross of upheaval. Yeah. I think even without knowing the, the language of human design, that word upheaval really carries a frequency. And that's a frequency yeah. that I carry. So Yeah, well, uh, thank you. It's really important to me and if it's okay with you is that um there's like specific obviously podcasts for things where it's like just human design podcasts just astrology and I feel like here I like to bring people that talk about all sorts of different things hoping that it's gonna you know resonate with someone and like change mm -hmm. their life so we haven't had anyone talk about human design so I'd love cool. for you to talk about that or cool. anything you want obviously yeah. but that is something I'm sure most people yeah. don't know about I love talking about it. So yeah, <laughs> cool. happy to share. Yeah. And I use both of those systems essentially to help people decondition for my help myself and help people decondition. Um, you know, anyone who follows astrology or follows astrologers has probably heard a lot in the last couple of years about Pluto and Capricorn being this collapse of society, collapse of our global institutions and there's a lot of other astrology happening as well um saturn uranus square is really significant for this i've been delineating the saturn uranus square as this like feeling like we're kind of in overlapping realities trying to get out of the old one like having the sense of urgency of we're done with that but also feeling kind of blocked or 
slow to progress towards the one we want to get towards. So those are like two of the main transits that I think about a lot. Chiron and Aries, I might mention as well as this like abandonment wound, abandoning the self and codependency clearing. All yeah. this is connected and is kind of in the background of what I'm thinking all the time. And we can talk about them individually if you want, but trying to get to the point that there's a lot of transformation happening right now, a lot of expansion happening, healing, detangling and deconditioning happening right now. And we're all having simultaneously this universal experience of deconditioning and witnessing the collapse of these structures, but also a really differentiated experience based on the truth of ourself and who we are. And so tools like astrology and human design really helped they're like literal maps right especially human design is this astrology is a little more abstract i think but human design is this like absolute concrete map that's like this is you this is yourself and then in human design we use the term not self and this is all the ways your not self talks to you these are all the specific ways that your conditioning can really grab a hold of you and it just provides this really beautiful strategic practical way of deconditioning and learning to trust your own body to guide you through the deconditioning process rather than exclusively like what you read or what your, um, you know, role models say, or what, you know, people who you pedestalize on the internet are saying about your route to deconditioning. That's so cool. And I'm so, I can't believe you said that was like my main question is I guess, um, all the different sort of walks of life of people that come here, like, um, come here to this whatever to this uh page on the internet but uh it's like um contactees abductees like psychics I mean every single different person that wasn't connected before the last couple of years in any way that you could point your finger at except like being supernatural or paranormal related is all feeling this same urgency and everyone mm-hmm. isn't very like doesn't totally agree on doesn't disagree, but doesn't really know exactly what that is or what it looks like. But everyone agrees that there is a growing sense of urgency, a need to know or belong or be, be right. Um, right. More than ever before. And I think it's crazy that you're bringing that up too. Cause yeah. I was going to ask like, have you noticed that in your oh, yeah. field? But totally. Well, and it's like, we're not supposed to all be having the exact same experience and therefore be having the same outlook or opinion on what's next because you know there's consciousness which we're all connected to and so that's why there's a universality to what we're all experiencing as we're watching the cycles and the waves and the patterns repeating and unfolding right but then there's infinite manifestations of consciousness which again things like astrology and human design show us like this is your flavor this is the route you are taking this time and we're all you know one of the things about human design I really like is it it kind of proposes that we're each in a significant and unique part of the puzzle. And it shows how we energetically plug into one another. And it shows like, this is what you bring to the equation, no matter where you are, no matter who's conditioning you, no matter who you're plugging into, this is your frequency. This is what you bring. And it just, it really solidified and amplified and affirmed and validated how many words can I use yeah, 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 yeah. this sense that I have had growing for a long time if not my whole life around differentiation and autonomy um 
like human design, just when I came into it and as I've been experimenting it with the last like two or three years, it's really just validated that like there is like kind of the sense of purpose. There is something specific to you that you bring to the equation and you know, you're a Libra rising, right? And a bunch of Libra placements. Okay. I don't like know anything about oh, that. Oh, really? Okay. You, yeah. Some, see, I just assumed that you knew yeah, astrology. No, I want to, I know. Well, I, I'm like, basically, I mean, just for, just so you understand, like I'm down to, and I think everyone is down to learn everything. I cool. just basically like tried to be super small, just like forever, just to fit in or not be noticed, like just be so, so, so small. And so I didn't think about things like this. I just didn't know how I was different. I was just trying to fit in. Um, And I just would notice like my signs and things as things that were wrong with me. I never Mm. know, looked at it a different way. Yeah. So now I'm just like, I'd never learned about it because I, it was just more signs of shit I was doing wrong or different than other people. So yeah, I don't know anything about Libra. Okay. Well, that (laughs) kind of brings me back to this. What I'm, what is it that I'm doing with my work in astrology and human design? And the thing that these things have validated for me is there's truly nothing wrong with any of us at our core. Like we are all perfect. And the thing that distracts us from our perfection is our conditioning. And so astrology, and again, even more directly human design shows you exactly what is conditioning or the not self and what is you and it gives you it can give you the affirmation and the like access to self-validation to be able to look at the truth of your frequency how you resonate without that sort of critical eye right that's amazing that's so cool you can feel the Aries Libra polarity in me talking about this and in what you shared so I'm an Aries sun Mercury and Venus. So I'm very Aries. And for, for the astro literate people listening, Bonnie has Saturn, Venus, Jupiter, Ascendant, and Pluto all in Libra. So you're very Libran. So we're kind of know that. (laughs) Yeah. Very Libran. So we're coming from these two ends of this opposite spectrum because Aries and Libra are polarity. And I think a lot about Newton's third law. When I think about this axis, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And Aries is that initial action. It's the birth moment, that violent, dramatic entrance into separation, right? Into the separate incarnation. It comes after Pisces, which is like the void where we're all connected and there's no separateness. It's unity consciousness. And then we get bored as consciousness. And of course this isn't linear, but in the third dimension, we understand things linearly. So we use this temporal language, but we're all together connected, no separation in Pisces. And then we get bored and we're like, I want to have an experience. And that's that Aries moment. So me talking, me having all these strong feelings about like each of us is perfect as we are. We're supposed to be having these different experiences. It's all very like Aries fire. Yeah, I need some of that. (laughs) Right. And then Libra is the opposition to Aries. So Aries is that every action and Libra is the equal and opposite reaction. And I always think of Libra as sort of the, the curator of the Zodiac. Libra is like, Ooh, I see this happened. Now, how can I balance it out? How can I make sure that everything is curate? Like, you know what? Libra gets the social butterfly party host sort of stereotype, which I think is really fitting because Libra is going to be the one at the party that's kind of going around and going, oh, this music's a little too loud. Ooh, that person's alone. Whoa. Let me connect them with someone. Right. Yeah. So super socially conscious, which I think is part of why, you know, as you were saying, I always just wanted to fit in. Right. I didn't want to create 
a ripple or create conflict. That's yeah. Aries job, right? So it's like yeah. correct for you to want to harmonize, to create harmony, to be able to relate to everything, right? So yeah. there's nothing wrong with you even for having had that initial response to reading about your astrology. Because yeah. that's what you that's what you're here to do is so try to harmonize fun. and balance and fit things in and like find the social and aesthetic harmony. Wow, that's crazy. Cause it's yeah, I didn't even what you're saying is so cool because I didn't even look at looking at myself negatively as negative. I was just like, that's how you look at yourself. That's how one looks at mm-hmm. themselves is right. through a critical lens and the idea of, but for everyone else, it's like, you can do no wrong. Like, you know, it's just a, right. it's really weird to hear that that's um, makes sense to somebody outside of my head. So thank you. But yeah. I guess, yeah. Can you explain, I guess, a little bit about just like a, uh, human design mm-hmm. for, you know, uh, the average, yeah. average human for sure. <laughs> yeah. So human design was channeled in 1987 by someone named Ra Uruhu. And he, he had this like eight day, I don't remember the details of this that perfectly, but something like an eight day experience with a voice that came in. And I think other things were channeled besides human design, but throughout the eight days, there was this system channeled that is a synthesis of other ancient systems of understanding consciousness. And the main things synthesized in human design are astrology through the tropical zodiac, because our design is based on our natal chart, as well as another chart from a a moment prior to our birth the planetary placements. So people who know astrology know your astro is based on your planetary placements, um, primarily sun, moon, and then the traditional planets through Saturn. And then modern astrology uses Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. And then there's lots of other things you can look at, but that's kind of the bread and butter of understanding your astro. So human design uses that as well. It takes your astrology placements, but then it juxtaposes it onto what's called the rave mandala which is the Zodiac juxtaposed with the 64 hexagrams of the I Ching. So astrology, I Ching, and then there is an aspect of the Kabbalah that's kind of sort of involved, but it's not as directly. Um, And the chakra system is the other thing kind of brought into it. So it's a synthesis of those things. And in the, the I Ching, I'm not as familiar with the I Ching, I mostly know it through learning human design, but there's these 64 hexagrams and in human design, we call them the gates. And so in human design, we take your planetary placements. This is probably, this part's probably not that important. I've just been teaching a lot of human design lately. So this is like in my, yeah, in my human design intro, this is the technical part. And then we'll get to the interpretive practical part in a second. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So in human design, we have this rave mandala that juxtaposes your planetary placements onto the eaching hexagrams, but then those 64 hexagrams or gates correspond to these points inside of our energy centers, what we call in human design, the energy centers. Um, and those are similar to chakras. So in the chakra okay. system, the Hindu Brahmin chakra system, traditionally, we've got the seven main chakras. And in human design, we have nine and they are similar in ways, but also different in specific ways to the chakra system. And part of what was channeled was this idea that 
humans have mutated from seven-centered beings to nine-centered beings within the last few hundred years, corresponding to when Uranus was discovered, and that was 1781. And so the human design body graph, that's what the like map that we look at at the ch- or the chart, yeah. the body graph is these nine centers in the body that all have a different function. And based on your planetary placements and how they align with the gates on that wheel, which yeah. are also in the centers, we all, most of us, 98% of the population has some planets defined or sorry, not planets, some centers of the nine centers defined and some undefined. Okay. And our defined centers are places where we have consistent access to whatever the function of that center is. We can regularly depend on that function of that center to be available to us. And we utilize that function in the same way that's unique to us. And we broadcast that function out into the world. And then our undefined centers are where we're receiving and amplifying other people's definition Whoa. And so that's where we're susceptible to conditioning. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. So to really simplify it, our defined centers are what we're putting out into the world and it's who we are consistently, the parts of our human experience and consciousness that we can readily depend on. And then our undefined centers, and if people are looking at their body graph, the defined ones are colored in, the undefined ones are white. That's where we're meant to not be tethered to any one way of being. It's like pure potentiality in our undefined centers. So we're constantly taking in other people's energy. The transits can affect our undefined centers and our relationship to that function. And we're meant to become very wise. There's a lot of potential for wisdom in our undefined centers, but we can experience a lot of suffering and pain when we attach to or identify with what's coming through that openness and let it distract or detour us from the truth of our own definition. That's so cool. So a lot of it has to do with uh, conditioning and deconditioning. But most of what people hear when they first think about human design is type. So I don't know if you've heard of this stuff before, but manifester, generator, projector, reflector. Yeah, I I, one of my friends is super into it. And when she did like a very 10 minute briefing on mine, I was like, that really resonated. Mm -hmm. Like it made so I was like, oh, that makes sense to me in a way different than astrology did yeah I don't know why but it just makes more sense to me it's more practical right like uh, now that I'm using both I'm able to look at astrology as this kind of abstract painting of frequency and resonance and experience but human design is like nope there's an actual absolute concrete map yeah how you operate yeah I'm like I just was like I'm good like hearing things I can understand things that I hear but certain things like it's hard for me to learn and I think it is like too abstract where I'm like I don't get it I don't get it but Mm -hmm. yeah human design that's so cool because I guess I just I guess when you're like a a rebel or whatever if you go against the thing and are always getting in trouble your whole life you don't realize that you're equally as conditioned as someone that is following the rules and I just realized that within like the last couple of years I got super sick and it was from just fighting with myself, I guess, is the best way to put it. And I I got like a fever for five months. And it was just it was not allowing myself to be myself in in the truest form. It wasn't anything else. And it was I had no idea that that was possible. And it just that's kind of what led me to all this is like, oh, my God, like, you are, you are just as stuck in a cage as 
or anyone else, yes. you know, and all of these things. And I was like, oh my God. So what you're saying, this is so cool. Thank yes. you. <laughs> well, and that ties back into Libra, right? So Libra is by nature of its relationship being opposite to the first sign of Aries. It's about opposition. In astrology, we have these, I'm going to get full circle, but I'm going to take a couple <laughs> tangents here. Yeah, we have yeah, these, please. these major aspects, the conjunction, the trine, the opposition, the square and the sextile and signs or planets that are in one of these geometrical relationships, AKA aspects to one another. They have a certain re- relationship with each other in terms of how they sort of dialogue or operate together. Some of them are soft. They support each other. They're called soft aspects and some are hard aspects. They kind of conflict with each other in a particular way and the opposition there's six versions of opposition each of the six pairs of the 12 signs first shows up in libra so we don't even experience the flavor of polarity or the flavor For of that everyone? opposition well just if you go in zodiacal order oh, if you okay. start with the first sign Sorry. the sign okay. that opposes that is libra right oh, okay cool. so okay. in opposite <laughs> opposite signs are planets that oppose each other they kind of have this tug of war yeah. and when you taught when you were talking about like being this rebel right like in order to rebel you have to be rebelling against something, right? Yeah. So it's very Libra energy in that, and that it's up, it's Aries and Libra. You know, Aries always gets stereotyped as the fighter and the opposer, but it feels very Libran to me as well because really Aries distilled isn't actually about fighting against anything, it's yeah. about fighting for oneself. And it's the Libra dynamic that has to come in and be like, I see that and I counter this, right? It's that back and forth, the scales of Libra. And so a theme that's been showing up for me a lot in the last couple of years that I I think sounds like what you just described, this realization you had that you were in such opposition is, you know, Pluto and Capricorn, the collapse of the institutions, the old world dying, we needed to collectively and then all of us in our own way individually who hadn't yet wake up to the fact that capitalism is a disease. Colonialism is a disease. These are the foundations of much of our world and those things need to be torn down or fallen up. They need to fall apart, but then we can get caught up in identifying with the opposite of those things, right? Rather than the truth of equilibrium, natural equilibrium, or the truth of who each of us is, which I always think of Libra's, what it's actually after is equilibrium, but it can get caught up in that feeling of opposition so much so that it actually loses then what it's after. It loses the potential for balance and harmony. So like I used to, and I still do to a point, identify as an anti-capitalist. Like I haven't updated my website in a long time. I think part of the first section of my bio is that I'm an anti-capitalist astrologer and that's still really true, but I've started to, I've started to notice where I'm moving through the world in a way that is because I'm opposing something rather right. than because I'm grounded in the truth of the world I want to live in yeah. in the future. I'm, you know, manifesting into the now. Yeah. I, you had, you made a post or um, an art piece about that, about um, I was going to read it to you, but then I realized I hate when people do that when I'm, oh, I don't mind a- if you do okay. that at all. <laughs> yeah. But you say, consider that perhaps in equitable sustainable harmonious world isn't going to be built won't come you remember what I'm talking about Mm -hmm, yeah uh, won't come from a series of catastrophic and or revolutionary events and just the idea of what 
uh, what you're talking about, but like what um, a different kind of society looks like and what it looks like getting there, I think, um, Mm -hmm. is people are so focused on that, on like how it looks to get to this new place or what it's going to look like then that they're not really aware that it's kind of happening. Mm -hmm. Not, Not that I'm judging how anyone is, but just like, I just, I feel like in the last few years, things came um, so hard and pushed people so far on different sides, which for right now seems bad, but I think it's part of the process maybe. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this, again, this is why I love human design because it's really (laughs) easy to get into, we need to talk more about human design too, but before that, (laughs) I didn't, I didn't even introduce like type, which is- I guess I started to, but yeah, that's a big part of human design. Um, (laughs) But we get like caught up in these kind of reactionary cycles, right? Yeah. And I do think that's part of deconditioning. In human design, we call the initial seven year deconditioning process that you go through when you start to experiment with human design and live your design. We call it the shattering. Okay. Because it (laughs) is, it, it is this very, at times, like full of grief like jolt to the system as you're beginning to let go of an identity that you built off of your conditioning that you built off of your not self yeah how do you what do you do about that though like are you (laughs) like supposed to focus on grieving it or moving on or feeling it or not feeling it yeah all yes to all of them okay Um, like (laughs) and that's what I keep saying this is what I love about human design and then going off on a tangent. But Sorry. No, it's not. It's both of us. And I okay. love it. Um, <laughs> but the thing it like it's there's no universal answer that to that sucks. question. Right. Okay. There's your own body yeah. carries the somatic wisdom to tell you what, when and how to make decisions. Right. So one of the like Uranus and Taurus, I won't go too into it, but Uranus is like radicalization, liberation, breakthrough. And Taurus is the first earth sign of the Zodiac. It's like this introduction to the body, to existing in the flesh on the planet. And so this is like a seven-year transit, Uranus and Taurus. It happens once every, I think, 86 years is how long it takes Uranus to get all the way around the Zodiac. And so this kind of awakening to the the science of and the experience of the nervous system feels very Uranus and Taurus to me that we can each regulate our own body and also this sort of emphasis on personal intuition like trust your intuition feels like Uranus and Taurus but Uranus is also innovation and authenticity in a very individualistic way so it's like Hey, each of you has your own body, your own separate body. I also think of the beginning of the Zodiac as localized and the end of the Zodiac as more global and galactic, right? So Taurus is the second sign of the Zodiac in the first earth sign. It's like your body, your experience in your body. And so we're having this kind of feeling of awakening right now to like, wait a minute, the key to getting back into equilibrium with nature, with my body, my health, with each other in relationality, my own body can communicate to me what that is. It doesn't come from the mind. It doesn't come from our structures that are built on a ton of conditioning. It doesn't come from the ego. It comes from the body. But then human design is like, and for you, these are the centers that you can regularly count on, right? So for some of us, for you, Bonnie, because you're a generator and you have a defined sacral, it's a gut feeling. 
is yeah. one of your primary ways of moving through the world. I have an undefined sacral. So that gut feeling that's associated with the sacral, I can't depend on it to on- always be correct for me. You and I both, let me double check this to make sure this is true. Yeah. You and I both have defined solar plexus centers, which is the em- emotional awareness center. So for you and I both, there's this constant emotional wave of energy that's our own, where we kind of come to a height of a wave and we feel very joyful, or I tend to experience the tops of my waves often as like mania. And then there's the low of our wave that feels really melancholic. And then there's neutrals. And no matter what's going on in our life, we're having these emotional cycles and you and I, because we're defined there, we can count on that emotional energy to be our inner authority to guide us. But people who are undefined in that center are taking in other people's emotions. And so that's not a part of their body that they're meant to utilize as guidance. Right. And then there's the spleen, which is like instinctive, intuitive hits about survival safety. Some people have that one defined. I do. You don't. So when I get an instinctive, intuitive hit, that's mine. Yeah. You are picking up on everybody's intuitive hits, everybody's instincts, everybody's kind of fears and insecurities. So yeah. if you were to act on those quick hits when you got them without checking in with your sacral gut and your solar plexus, emotional authority, it would mislead you. So that's yeah. like a quick practical example makes- of how we can go from trust yourself, right? Trust your intuition, So then what the fuck does that mean for me though? Right? Like it's so differentiated for each of us. That's so amazing because it's, it's just crazy to like have a whole life being super confused and never hearing this stuff outside of your head. Or if you say, you know, or never hearing this stuff before uh, and then hearing it exactly when it's, it's, that's what's happening to me is like, I'm like, I'm a body. Like, oh my God, this body is telling me things. Mm-hmm. I, it's just like, and it seems like, and that's because of, but it seems like a lot of people are having that experience now. Mm-hmm. And that's based on where we are in time or in <laughs> space or what, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what is happening? What why is that? Yeah. Do you know why? Uh, I mean... I have thoughts on why I wouldn't say I know it's interesting being an astrologer, right? So I've been like tuning into planetary, the the language of what's happening in the cosmos and how does that correlate to what's happening on earth, which is a microcosm of the cosmos. And each of us individually are an even more microcosm, cosmos. Am I saying that word right? Micro, microcosm. Yeah. That, that weird word thing just happened <laughs> yeah. of the cosmos. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. Okay. So in astrology, right, there's these cycles that are always happening and there's lots of different cycles happening at once. And the cycles repeat themselves, but they also have way different lengths of time, right? So like the lunar cycles, 28 days, whereas Uranus moving around the Zodiac is 86 years. And you have something like that for every planet. And then you have the interplanetary cycles, right? So there's like uh, the Saturn cycle on its own, the Mars cycle on its own. And then there's the cycle of when do Saturn and Mars meet up in the sky in these certain geometrical aspect relationships. So there's like infinite combos of things you can look at, which is why you know, astrologers, while we're able to predict kind of the energy of things and sometimes specifics, right? Like COVID was very much predicted by astrologers. There was a a huge planetary alignment in January, 
2020 that astrologers were looking at for years. Like when I first came into astrology in 2015, I remember people talking about January 2020 before I knew what any of it meant. Um, But it's still abstract because there's these infinite different layers that you can look at. And there are tools that you can use to kind of discern which layers are the most important for me individually to be paying attention to this year or this month. And that's all part of like personalized transit delineation that astrologers can do for you. But human design by giving (laughs) you this like body graph and this map of this is what doesn't change in you, your definition, it kind of it's shifted the way I understand transits. Human design calls the transits the programming. And so it's like this movie that we're all watching and taking in that is a part of why we're able to gain wisdom in our undefined centers and assimilate what we're taking in to create more um, connection maybe and, and depth and identification with our defined centers, but we're not meant to get lost in that movie. So these transits, like this stuff that's going on right now that, that you're pointing out, all these different people come on the podcast and talk about, I'm feeling this in my life. That's the programming in human design and what we call in astrology, the transits. And we can kind of find resonance with the themes we're experiencing through reading the transits, whether we're reading them it, as planets in signs and astrology or as planets and gates in human design, you can find symbolism easily between what is it you're experiencing in your life? What's the distilled frequency of that theme? And how can you catch that in these different places using these languages? Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that's what astrologers do is we try to understand the why, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm ruled by Jupiter and Jupiter is the planet of meaning making. I'm Ooh, a Sagittarius cool. rising. So I always think Sag is going like, what just happened and what did that mean? I call myself sometimes a cosmic contextualizer. Well, cool. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think, you know, that's what we're doing as astrologers, but we're also simultaneously those of us who utilize these languages of consciousness that connect us to these sort of extra dimensions, right? Because in order to look at things from a cosmic lens, you have to be zoomed out, right? right? You have to be having one foot outside of this, or maybe you don't have to, but this has been my experience. You have (laughs) one foot outside of this third dimension existence. So you can look at it from the alien perspective, right? Or the galactic perspective or the 5d or whatever language you want to use perspective, but you still have your other foot in the third dimension. You're still in it. So we can't know for certain, and we're not meant to know for certain exactly what's going on. The thing that each of us is meant to find clarity, not even certainty necessarily, but clarity around is how is my vessel meant to be sort of floating through this movie that we're all universally watching? Like what's my vantage point? Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I guess it's just I it didn't even occur to me that I was having an experience uh, at the same time as anyone else, like just Mm. from my personal uh, strange brain as just like thought that, you know, there wasn't, even if I would hear things about astrology, I just didn't know that I had the authority to, uh, relate to other people, which is uh, strange, but, Mm. um, but it's cool to not be doing that anymore. But I guess if you, how would you recommend, um, someone to like, that thinks that, uh, human design sounds 
super cool. How would you recommend they get into it? Yeah. Great question. So everything I already explained about human design is stuff that you don't even need to know to get started, like (laughs) especially understanding the rave mandala and the juxtaposition and all of that, that I began with totally insignificant for beginning the experiment. And that's the language we use in human design is the experiment. When did you start your experiment? And the nature behind that is that raw channeled this system and it's very technical and very sophisticated, but you don't need to know any of it on an intellectual basis and you don't need to trust anyone. It's all about kind of, it, it provides this sort of framework for catching resonance and tuning in with your body that yeah. you then use as a model for how you move through the world and you get to see to what extent does this feel true for me or not. And it's an experiment, but the main things you experiment with are your type, your strategy, and your authority. And so type and strategy and authority, they're the synthesis of the nine centers being defined or undefined. So depending on which centers you have defined and undefined and how they do or don't connect to each other, you would be either a generator, which really briefly a generator is anyone who has a defined sacral, which is the motor of the body. It's the life force energy. So generators, which is about 70% of the planet have consistent access to the motor of the body that turns on when there's something that it wants to do that feels satisfying. And then as long as the sacral is following what feels good to it, that energy gets regenerated. It's like this endless resource that as long as it's being listened to, as long as that gut check is being listened to and the generators in the sacral, yes, no response, according to what their body wants to move towards that energy gets regenerated. So those are all generators. And if you don't do it, you can get really sick. Like say, if you don't do what you're being pulled to for like a year, you yes. could, a person could get physically sick. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) The, the themes for generator are satisfaction and frustration and it's all, every type has their own theme. And for generators, it's all about like, are you letting that energy in your body be expended on the things that it wants to be utilized on? Great. You'll feel satisfied and that energy will get regenerated. Are you not right? Like there's going to be this, this, uh, excess of energy that doesn't have an outlet or more often, I think what happens for generators is they try to force themselves to put that energy into something that their sacral is like, nope, I'm actually not interested yeah. in that. And so generators will feel frustrated. And yeah, I don't personally feel like I have a, a clear under, or concrete understanding of how not living our design can show up in the body as illness uh, in a universal sense, but I absolutely know that there are correspondences to our health and whether we're living our design or not yeah wait so you're are you a generator no I'm a manifester so yeah let me go through the other types so I want to hear about you (laughs) a manifester we're about eight nine percent of the population we're a non-sacral type which all the other three types are non-sacral projectors manifestors and reflectors and those three types the 30 percent we all have in common that we do not have readily access to regenerative energy in the body. So things like the 40 hour work week, the five day work week, these are things that could potentially work for generators. They shouldn't need to, right? Because that's homogenization and that's conditioning and not all generators are the same, right? They have their own body is what they should be listening to rather than these structures of how we use our time. However, 
it could that amount of energy expenditure could be correct for a generator would be correct for a generator because a generator is not going to feel good if they're not letting that creative energy out of their body regularly right yeah but all the other types the non-sacrals our energy expenditure flow is so different and manifestors are still considered an energy type. I'll get to that in a second, but projectors and reflectors, they're not even here for the expenditure of energy, the way that generators and manifestors are. Um, But it's, it's really huge. I think specifically for non-sacrals to learn about having an undefined sacral center because the sacral, it tells you go as a generator, go towards this, use your energy, but it also tells you stop. You've done enough. You feel satisfied. You feel complete. And when you're a non-sacral like myself, we don't get that cue from our body. That's like, you're done. So we end up just running circles and getting super burnt out through the amplification of the life force energy around us. That's actually not able to be sustained by our own body. So that's, Oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah. And that's, that's 30% of that's 30% of the population. Yeah. That's so many. It's a lot. And we live in this generator world, right? We live in a world that's like, go, 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 go. And this isn't to say that sacral beings or generators aren't just as adversely affected by shit like capitalism and productivity culture. It's just really different in your body. In your body, it's like you do have this resource, but it's easy easy for you to try to hijack it or for it to be exploited for something that does not lend to satisfaction, which will put you in a a status of distortion. But for the rest of us, it's like that satisfaction is never coming. Right. even if we were doing what we think we want to do all the time, we cannot consistently do. We That's, cannot consistently expend. We have I, these really different ways and cycles of utilizing energy. I think that that's amazing. I don't know. I mean, I don't remember hearing anything that is like a, a guide for how your energy can be used. Well, I think that that's the most coolest, most important thing because it's like, yeah, is that I, I didn't, I didn't even know the concept of energy mm-hmm. until recently. And the idea of like forcing it has been the most destructive Yes, or not forcing it being like, Oh, that doesn't feel comfortable. I'm just going to sit, sit out today, or I'm going to sit out this week. Or like yes. I used to do, I used to be a really bad drug addict. I was like, I'm going to sit this year out. And it's like that the idea of knowing how to use your energy is like that's probably the greatest gift yes. in the world thank yes. you for sharing this that's so cool it's so, so cool I'm so yeah. happy at how excited you are because I'm like to me this is so ingrained at this point sorry I'm gonna cough real quick no that's okay I mean of course it's okay but yeah no it's like it's I, and I, I hope this isn't boring for you that it's like um to have to do the introduction but I think that this is I I didn't know exactly why I asked you to come here, but now I know exactly why, because this is a a huge piece of it is where nobody tells us that are like how that we're important. And then nobody tells us that we have energy and nobody tells us that we're allowed to Mm -hmm. use it in a a satisfying way that feels good for us. Yeah. And that by doing something for us, we're doing something for all. Right. For some reason. Yes to me, like important. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like generators can so easily like your archetype as a generator is probably the simplest one because it all your, your type as a generator, uh, not necessarily your authority. We'll talk about authority in a second, but your strategy, every generator strategy is to respond. So hold on, let me, 
zoom out for a second. The four major aura types or yeah. energy types, as they're sometimes called, they all have an aura that you share. So we'll stick with generator before I go through the other three. The aura for generators is open and enveloping. You have an open and enveloping aura. They all have a strategy for generators. It's to respond and they all have a signature goal and a not self theme. So it's was we talked about satisfaction and frustration for generators. And every type has a different kind of set of those things that are the, the most simple points to access your human design for generators. That stuff is really potentially simple because it's all based on the sacral center. So it's all just based on this one primal motor in the body that is intelligent, but it's not intelligent in a mental awareness way. It's not intelligent in like a complicated, sophisticated sort of way. It's this old wisdom of the body that is the gut. Does my motor rev up for that or not? And so to live your design as a generator, to decondition, to get in the flow of your energy can be very simple because it's all about calibrating to that sacral yes or no and learning that you can follow it. But a generator is going to easily get caught up in their undefined centers. So we could look at the flavor of what is the not self distortion come from in different people based on their different undefined centers. Right. But it's it often is this desire to be of service to the other, to change the world, to find success. Success is the theme for projectors, not generators. So generators, for example, it's not that you can't experience success. It's that success will only come for you through following your satisfaction. Right. Right. Totally. But so do you feel the sacral stuff, too, and it's just not your. like your true message or what uh, Mm -hmm. would you say? Yeah. So, so where we're undefined in our undefined Undefined. centers, you, you absorb and amplify other people's energy. Okay. Thank you. You also, this is a little complicated, but you also will experience fluctuating definition in your undefined centers based on the transits. So someone with an undefined sacral like me, certain transits will actually define my sacral. So I'll have this feeling of sacral energy for the length of that transit. Right. Okay. So we either we, but that in human design, that's still considered conditioning. So we, we take in conditioning through our undefined centers, either interpersonally, like when you and I are together, I'm amplifying your sacral energy. So can you see how much more energized I am right now than I was when we first got on the call? Right. Right. So I'm going to, it, and it's some people in human design say this stuff only works when you're in aura with each other. Cause it's electromagnetic frequency stuff. Um, I've completely learned human design mostly in isolation. Okay. So I feel, I feel it when I interact with people through video, I'm sure it's much more when you're in aura. Yeah. Um, but like whenever I do zooms with sacral beings, I have, more energy after. So like I was at a much more like kind of just slow, not exhausted because I've been taking care of myself and resting a lot the last few days, but just kind of low energy, not, not in a depleted way, just like a low energy way. And I'm lit up now when I'm with you, that's the sacral. It's it lights you up and I'm going to continue to feel it after Yeah. and past versions of me that didn't understand how my body operates and didn't understand that that wasn't my energy Right. would attach to that sacral buzz that I get from interacting with you and just try to keep it going, 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 going. And I, I literally did that for years. Like I was burn out. 
I was a full-time high school music teacher and I just lived on other people's sacral energy for the whole eight years wow. that I did that. Right. That's so cool. I'm sorry. You have That's to talk okay. about that a little yeah. bit. So for, <laughs> uh, what, what kind of just all music or what? I taught you- mostly choir. And then <gasps> I also taught some music theory and what else? I think that was all I officially formally taught. That is um, so cool. Choir is the whole reason why I'm not uh, like theoretically my whole heart is from like harmonizing with people and singing with people is like my most favorite thing in the whole wide world um that's so but- cute and like such a good way for you to connect to the libra archetype if you want to more because libra is literally i harmonize is libra's phrase Whoa. and whenever i'm talking about the aries libra polarity i always say you can't harmonize with an unclear melody right so like in order for people to harmonize with you because Libra can get kind of trapped in codependency sometimes in order for people to harmonize with you you need to feel confident enough to have your own clear melody right yeah that's so cool I have one million more questions but I think one thing um if you don't mind sharing is um so you said you were a teacher our drummer is a high school teacher um uh for sports medicine and I guess you you're saying like how you pick how you can pick up other people's energy I think that's normal um whatever but uh when did you realize that it wasn't good or serving you or that you needed to stop or can, do you mind talking about all that because I think no that, not at all that's um, really cool I re- realized it really early and actually it <laughs> might it might be helpful to introduce the manifester archetype and okay. then talk about this yeah because please looking back I taught eight years and I was really bored with it halfway through the second year and then it was really painful like three from years three through eight and a lot of that has to do with how my energy works as a manifester um so yeah let me get to that so and then we can come back to my story of of leaving public education which I have (laughs) tons of astrological and human design retrospect context for understanding. Um, So manifestors, we are the only other type besides generators that are still here for energetic expenditure. So we are non-sacral, right? We don't have that consistent kind of slow build regenerative energy that's readily available to us. But we do, as manifestors, have one or more of the other motor centers. So of the nine centers, four of them provide fuel. The sacral is the main one, the main motor of the body, life source energy. But there's also the ego, the solar plexus, and the root that are fuel providers, little bits of fuel and for specific things rather than the sacral is like all the fuel for all the things. Um, And so manifestors are non-sacrals who have one or more of the other motor centers connected by a channel to the throat and the throat is the manifestation center which is not like new agey manifestation but um manifestation that's literally about like taking something from inside your vessel and manifesting it outside expressing it out into the world and so as manifestors we don't have regular energy we don't have consistent gradual energy but our whatever motor center or centers we do have, 
will come through in, in the word we use in human design is urge human uh, manifestors get these urges, these creative urges that come up all at once and then they get to the throat. And so we are here to initiate that's our energetic role. We're the initiators. So our auras are described as closed and repelling. Yours are open and enveloping. And that's something that I was like, a lot of manifestors are really put off by at first. (laughs) But as you feel into it, as you learn more about your type and you kind of surrender to your type and how you operate, I've come to really appreciate my closed aura because it protects me as a non-sacral. I'm not available to be responding all the time, which is your strategy to be kind of in this dance flow with life energy around you. As a manifester, (laughs) I don't have the energetic availability for that. My energy is not there. Unless it's showing up to be like, Ooh, you need to initiate this. You need to create this thing. And that doesn't come from the mind. It comes from the body. It's this somatic wisdom. That's like, this doesn't exist. This needs to exist. Go birth it out. But then as soon as that birth process is done, the manifestor body is like, okay, now you need to go recover. I really like labor, like as a like childbirth as a metaphor for it, because we yeah. need a lot of rest. And then we get these big bursts and we make a thing happen and it's really exciting and really fiery, but we can't carry it to completion. We're not the people to finish yeah. things. We don't have that satisfaction through completion that you do right. as a sacral being. And so, but, yeah. Oh, go how ahead, go did ahead. you find that out? I have to know. How did you find that out about you? Well, it's always been true about me. Okay. Right? But, like, right. Yeah. Like another basic premise of human design is what we call the form principle, which is that your body has always known this shit, right? Your body has always known as a generator that you're here to respond, that a sacral yes brings you satisfaction and that forcing something where there's a no brings you frustration. It's just your conditioning has piled on all this other shit that you've been distracted with or identifying with. So my body has always known. I've always known. I love the beginnings of things. You know, (laughs) I'm in Aries. I've, I've been able to see for a long time that I have this capacity to create things to make things happen really easily and really organically and just kind of like leave people in leave people in my wake being like how did she do that you know all my best friends are always Aries because I love that shit I love like someone to get it started I'm like all right (laughs) yeah and you're actually a manifesting generator which means you're a sacral being but your motor does go to the throat so you have this initiatory capacity as well. And man, oh. <laughs> they're generators, but there's like, it's a different, it's a different feel to your generatorness. Yeah, um, a, but you so know, you, you knew, and, but then when, and when you, I'm sorry, I'm just like, oh, I ahead. need to know. Uh, but then when you learned about um, human design, you recognized it as yes. like, oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, there's lots, there's a reason we say that the deconditioning process is seven years long and I find it to be very spiralic. I'm like Uh somewhere around three years into it. So there've been many different sort of realizations and revelations in my process of deconditioning so far, but one of the first most dense ones was like, oh, you knew that you were this powerful being that was able to initiate but you've also always been telling yourself that you should be able to finish and follow through. And so I judged myself for not, for always wanting to start things and always having these like bursts of creative energy to get a thing going and then not being able to finish it. Right. Cause society's like, says you should be able to follow through and complete things. My form, that's not what it's for. I'm only here to light the fires. And so I don't know yet 
how to make that work in terms of money. Right. Right. Cause yeah. like a lot of the only examples we have of manifestors being able to do that initiatory and then rest is like CEO shit. Right. And like, I'm not trying to build an empire, right. Manifestors in the old world were the monarchs. We were the type that was like, this is what's happening now. And then we had societies of people, communities of people to help make it happen. I sometimes think of manifestors as the shepherds where we like feel into this is the direction the collective is going to go and we speak it and we make it happen. Um, But, you know, I said, I don't know yet how I haven't figured out how to fit that into like business and being alive in the age of capitalism falling. But the thing about human design is I don't have to figure shit out. All I need to do is follow my strategy and authority and listen to my body and trust that that's what's going to lead me to the new world. Because on a mental level, like I said earlier, we don't know yet what the new world looks like. That's why we're kind of stuck, right? Totally. That's the Saturn square to Uranus. Um, Yeah. And also the best thing, I think, well, if we've learned anything, the most important thing is that we listen to our body and are true to our body. Cause if we're not, we don't do that. We don't have anything. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I am learning or yeah. just found out is like, which is weird to not have no connection to your body or to, I mean, I maybe had it, but I was like denied complete access. Mm-hmm. I was like, head, you're yes. not attached to below your throat. And like, just now being like, Oh my God. Um, you're allowed to start and not finish like that's good it's good to get any start anything at all like it's good to be a guy that likes to finish stuff and not start you know it's like all of these things it's just it is I think that 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 is the riches (laughs) you are the king (laughs) your body has always known and been there guiding you it's just there have been increasingly so these layers of not self of identification with your conditioning that has distracted each of us from listening to the very differentiated truth of our own body. Sorry. Do you think that that's like the incarnate like situation? Like as long as we have been bodies, we have like programming and conditioning, or do you think that that's like new? Hmm. Um, I don't think it's new because <laughs> part of part of being incarnated as uh, our own microcosmic fraction of the collective that is human consciousness is existing in community with one another, like in communion, in relation to one another. And this is one of the things that I'm really grateful for human design for is I've been about deconditioning for a long time ever since I realized at, you know, like age 18 or something that I was an anti-capitalist that, that, that fuck the system. And I was kind of like the opposition conversation we were having where you can start to identify in opposition to the thing you don't want to identify with, which is like, is that even any better? Um, I was human design kind of entered for me and was like, Hey, conditioning's okay. Conditioning's neutral. Conditioning is how we do interdependence. It's how we catch resonance with each other. We need to plug into each other, right? Like you're meant you with an undefined spleen. The spleen is our sense of security, our intuitive awareness. You benefit from plugging into people with splenic definition because it gives you a sense of security that otherwise is kind of fleeting. Yeah, you're supposed to. I'm supposed to plug into sacral beings because it fuels me up for things like this conversation. (laughs) But there's when you have an awareness of what is you 
your definition versus what is your conditioning, then you're able to dance through the conditioning fields, right? right? With so much more intention and detachment so that you can actually watch the movie without getting lost in the movie. Right. So I don't think it's new. I imagine that human consciousness probably goes through like cycles and ups and downs of extents to which we are aware of this and we're growing towards an awareness of it right now, like towards this awareness that yes, connectedness and yes, unity consciousness, but within that oneness, we do need to embrace our separateness and learn to trust our individual localized bodies to guide us through our own particular maze through this oneness and unity consciousness. Does that did no, I, totally. Okay. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I wanted. Uh, right, what I wanted answered. I just am like, I really like things to be not a spiral and not, you know, just like mm-hmm. a linear thing. And it's just, I always need to be reminded that it's, it's, not, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't well, start at one place and end at another. You have a defined Ajna center, which is the mental awareness center. This is another place you and I differ. I'm undefined in the Ajna. You're defined. And people with a defined Ajna, it's it's like you have a kind of a regular formulaic approach to understanding and conceptualizing that's your own. So it's interesting to notice that as I'm bringing things up and you're kind of, you're going, wait a minute, how does that fit into this? Which is correct for you, right? It's also very Virgo, uh, (laughs) Virgo sun and Mercury, which you have in your natal chart. Like you analyze things in a particular way. So you're always grabbing things and going, how does this fit into how I think, which is exactly (laughs) what's correct for you versus me with an undefined Ajna. I'm like, we could think about it through this lens, this lens, this lens. I don't know at all you know, but I'm not meant to stick with any one particular way of having those wheels in motion, but you are, that's how you're designed. Well, this is so cool. I'm like just every piece of it, uh, and getting to, I'm glad that we're not the same so that we can, I can see what it's like for different ways of thinking. Yeah. Um, but, and are you, did you, sorry, just about your job before you go to school to be a teacher or did you yeah. go to school for music or yeah both so <laughs> so yeah so I went to school for music education that's so cool yeah and um it's been really interesting <laughs> since leaving music education to find the ways in which by studying and, and utilizing astrology and now human design I'm actually doing the same thing I did as a student and teacher of music yeah well because it's pattern there... recognition right yeah. and frequency and- and like 12 notes and all mm-hmm. of, it's all like mathematical and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Right. And so I know I'm still very much an educator. Like I, I still think of myself as an educator first and my partner of almost 12 years, we met in school for music ed and he's still a music teacher. And we always would say like at the beginning of our careers, we always would talk about how he's a musician first and a teacher second. And I've always been a teacher first and a musician second. Like I love understanding and sharing that understanding and music for a long time was the, the primary mode that I did that with. Whereas for him, he's a performer. He's a musician. He's also a generator. So he has the capacity to be consistently showing up and doing the same thing. He teaches elementary school music, but for me, It was like, I understand it. You know, when I first started to realize I didn't want to teach forever, it was like a very sad period of time for me because I very much identified as a music teacher. And I thought it was what I was going to do for the rest of my life. I like 
totally, it was who I was. I remember having this moment where my partner, I was crying about it. Cause I was like, I just don't think I can keep doing this. And he was like, Kelsey, you know, you're still you, even if you're not a high school music teacher. Yeah. And I remember that just being such a revelatory thing, yeah. like giving me permission to maintain some part of my identity, even if I left the classroom. But a lot of this, the reasons I thought it was, which they're not, it's, these aren't not true anymore, but I have a more expanded understanding yeah. of it now. But the initial reasons were like, I can't like 40 hour work weeks don't work for anyone. And also like when you're a high school music teacher, it's not a 40 hour work week. No. It's usually closer to 60 or more. Yeah. Um, and also like the institution of education is too fucked. I can't make an impact here, which as a manifester, the whole thing we're here to do is impact. We're here to initiate an impact. And yeah. I could feel like a, this previous version of me could feel that I couldn't make my impact here because the system was too messed up. Now, yeah. looking back, I also understand that starting that career for me was a creative urge. So at my first year teaching, I worked a ton, but my body as a manifester was in initiate mode. So it allowed me, it sustained me right. through the beginning of that thing. And then the second year when I started to realize like, oh, you just do that again now, like you do the same thing with new kids. My body was like, no, my body started being like, "Mm -mm, don't do this anymore. But of course, I I pushed myself for seven more years. I mean, that's totally it. That's nuts. I mean, I think anyone that even sees that many people a day, like I can't and knows their name and like Mm -hmm. is helping guide them. I think being a teacher is that congratulations that, but I you know that's crazy it's a lot I have that's... I feel a lot of kinship with all educators and the plight of educators and I you know I'm a lifelong educator even though I know I'll never do it again in the the system yeah um, well that yeah our drummer just stopped working after 12 years and has the exact same sort of experience I wonder what their design is I wonder um, if they're a non-sacral I... I can't remember. I can send you her stuff after. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, she's she's amazing. I I think we did it, and I feel like I don't know. I can't remember what she's, but she definitely, you know, it's it's she taught like seventeen and eighteen year olds, like, like one hundred and fifty students a week, and mm-hmm. did what my job is, which mm-hmm. is <laughs> I'm just like I don't, I can't imagine um, having yeah sustaining that. Uh, yeah. You know, for me, it's really easy because it's in a limited amount of time. I give all of it and then I'm like, OK, but I can't. Yeah. Like five yeah. days a week, all day. And it's wild what we expect from our teachers. Yeah, it is crazy. And my story of my journey, story, whatever rationale of leaving teaching is really multifaceted because on one hand, it's like, yeah, that doesn't work for anyone. Like we don't appreciate our teachers. We don't pay them well. The system is messed up. The kids aren't well supported that we can't even actually, I I taught in Chicago in a charter school. So there were like all sorts of institutional problems with it. But the thing that I'm able to see now more with some distance and with having more integrated astrology and now utilizing human design is yes, all of that institutionalized problems that were like external problems were true. And that's what in human design, we would call the programming, right? Like these, these problems based on homogenization and the not self world that we live in the very distorted world of conditioning that we live in, but also, you know, my partner and I left teaching at the same time. And he went back a few years later, as I was starting to learn human design, 
And I was like, at first I was projecting onto him my own inability to do regular energetic expenditure, like five days a week type of thing. And when I started to feel into the energetic differences between manifestors and generators, I was able to see like, oh, it wasn't just those external institutional problems for me. It was also my form doesn't work that way, which I wouldn't have known. It didn't really matter that I knew that at the beginning or not, because there were all these other reasons that I absolutely needed to leave the classroom that were external, but it's empowering now for me to be able to see, oh, it's not just those external problems because that can feel so disempowering. right? Right. And for anyone listening, who's astrologically literate, I was having a Saturn in the 12th house transit when I realized I needed to leave teaching, which is very like, institutional big global problems that you're helpless within so that was very much the flavor of me realizing I needed to leave Um, but now I can look back at it and go oh something like that was never meant to work for me regardless of what's going on in society because I'm the initiator I'm I birth through I push through the new things and then I rest and until the next thing is gestated and ready to be pushed through yeah well that's that's so cool I think that that's going to be really helpful for somebody that's listening to this because I think yeah we're all taught to be the exact same like we're Mm -hmm. all taught we're supposed to have the exact same amount of energy the exact same like um diet just every single thing the exact amount of sleep the exact amount and it's like obviously that can't be the same for every single individual person the Um, the not self world is like full of homogenization and that's what our conditioning is yeah. And it, that's so cool. I'm so, I'm proud of you. I think it's awesome <sighs> that you, cause I think noticing the things that are outside of you that aren't working for you sometimes is the first way to notice mm-hmm. that, you know, it, it just doesn't work for you. Mm-hmm. In a, in but a then body. you can get lost in like a victim cycle. Yeah. If you stay there. Right. Yeah. So, and that's I where do that sh- a lot. And it's like, we all oh, do. And yeah. I think that's a part of what we're clearing right now as well based on the programming and the transits, I see that a lot in the Taurus Scorpio nodes, which I won't bother to get into. But I think that's a big part of what we're moving through right now is like, wait a minute, the the not self homogenized world is so fucking disempowering. And we're waking up to the fact that we are not going to access the change that we know needs to happen through these old revenue or revenues avenues. Yeah. And so what do we do instead? And it feels so helpless if you don't actually trust in your own sovereignty and your own body's wisdom to lead you to what is correct and true for you. Yeah. So enter these systems, specifically human design to be like, Hey, yeah, watch that movie, watch the collapse of society, watch the, the quote birth of the new world. Um, but don't attach to it. Don't look at it for your sense of validation and affirmation. And for your narrative, you have your own thing going on. And in order for us to get there collectively, you need to step I was going to say step up, but it doesn't even feel like that. It's like step into your body, your form and trust it to guide you to be the puzzle piece that you're meant to be in this more collective and relational um, equilibrium. That's so cool. I, I, that's so cool. I, I thank you. I thank you so much for talking about this. And I think that, um, I want to talk to you forever more about uh, human design, but uh, I also, my computer, like sometimes erases uh, interviews oh, no. that goes much over um, an hour. Um, okay. So is there anything um, you would like, I guess that we didn't really totally yeah. say what to do if you're interested. Well, 
we didn't go over projector and reflector, which I feel bad about, but I have a lot of resources people can look at if they want to learn about those other types. Can do you want, um, should we, should we roll the dice and see what happens or? Sure. uh, I could try to just really briefly go through those two because my, what I was trying to get to, to answer your question of what should people do is just learn about their strategy, their type strategy and authority and play with those things in a really basic way. Um, so generator strategy respond, uh, peace and for, or sorry, satisfaction, frustration is what they're looking at. Our manifestor strategies to inform what are, it's that part of that initiating, what is it that we're going to do? Let people know because they can't see inside our closed aura. There's a lot more to say about that, but to be brief and manifestors are here for peace, but our not self theme is anger. So we feel at peace when we're able to listen to those urges and rest and just go through those creative bursts and rest periods without meeting resistance from the outside. We feel angry. Otherwise projectors, projectors have, sorry, again, that's 30% of you. That's about eight or 9% is manifestors. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, reflectors who are 1% are mm-hmm. the energy type that have all nine centers undefined. So for reflectors, it's all about change, the constant change. They don't have any center definition to anchor to. So they're always uh, feeling into the transits a lot and reflecting back what's happening in the collective and in the community back to the world. They're, oh. So they're like en- these energetic mirrors, right? Do they're you like, know anyone like that? I do. I have a few reflector friends. Yeah. I'm very, it, very lucky to know some of the unicorns. Yeah. Is it difficult to be that way or... I mean, yes and no, right? Okay. Because it's difficult to be incarnated, but the easiest thing to be is you. And right. for okay. reflectors, that's who they are, right? Right. Um, okay, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's great. Fun questions. Um, the reflector strategy is to wait a lunar cycle because as the moon travels through the whole zodiac, it hits all the different gates in their body graph and it it will follow this predictable pattern of fluctuating definition in their body. So they can kind of track like, this is the part of the lunar cycle where I have the sacral. Yes. This is the part of the lunar cycle where I have some emotional clarity. Um, so yeah, reflectors hard to sum up because it's such a specific and unique part of, uh, experience, but more to say, but the, yeah, moving on projectors are about 20% of the population and projectors are, they have some definition, so they're not a reflector, right? But no sacral, so they're not a generator, and no motor throat, so they're not a manifester. And projectors are often said to be the new leaders of society. They're here oh. for energetic guidance and energetic counsel. Their auras are described as penetrating, so they focus on another. And they, I always say projectors are here to kind of compare and contrast what's me and what's you. And by having a solid understanding of that, they're able to guide the energy that they're absorbing when they penetrate the other aura. Um, so projector strategy is to wait an invitation, which is okay. because their energy penetrates, it needs to have consent. That's a lot about what, what it's about is if Whoa. you can feel a projector's aura kind of poking you when they see something and they want to guide you. <laughs> yeah, and if yeah, you yeah. haven't invited that, it doesn't feel good. So right. waiting for the invitation is how projectors are meant to move through the world. But for them, it's also about honoring that they have a specific insight to give. They have a wisdom. They're here to lead, here to guide. And if people, it, projectors are very like, they want to plug into the other because their aura naturally goes whoop and like focuses on the other. 
and they're so interested in the other that they'll their not self will be very oriented to plugging into the other no matter what and then they lose themselves so waiting for the invitation for projectors is also a lot about just leaning back and like self-validating so that you don't chase success and chase relationality but let the right people who want your insight come to you and invite you in and then you get to decide do I want to plug into this person and enter their movie or not and so for, for projectors the theme is um success, which I also sometimes call recognition or bitterness. So projectors get bitter when they're not able to guide and give wisdom on what they see, but they feel successful when they're invited in, in ways that feel aligned to them. And then I forgot to mention for reflectors, the themes are surprise and disappointment. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. So (laughs) these are just like the basics. And then there's a whole concept of authority, which is like, which center in the body is the one that is your authority. So for you and me, it's emotional authority, that emotional wave I talked about earlier. For some people, it's sacral. For some people, it's splenic. And then there's some uh, lesser minority versions too. Um, So this is a lot. This is like me trying to fit in the whole first like 10 hour human design course into 15 minutes. But my advice to people who want to get into human design is learn about your type strategy and authority, which I kind of briefly overviewed and just play with it. Just experiment with it and see how it feels in your body. It's a it's a somatic wisdom. You have to learn about it through the mind, but then play with it and experiment with it. Wow, this is so incredible. Thank you so much. Um, and do you have uh do you have like somewhere you want people to go and find you? Um, yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. I'll, I'll obviously put all of your link stuff, but if you have like a favorite place you want people to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Kelsey Rose Tort is my Instagram and my website, um, KelseyRoseTort.com. And I have two human design educational offerings. One is like a longer, thorough one that's called human design fundamentals for the astrologically minded, because it kind of utilizes astrology to teach some human design stuff. And then I have a more basic one for anyone called what the fuck is my aura type that goes in depth into this, uh, not in depth into the centers, but overviews the centers and talks much more in depth about all the stuff we just talked about. That's so three and a half hours. So those are good starting points for people who want to know more and start to play with their design. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I feel like this is going to really help some people and uh and and yeah and giving some people a new place to go Mm -hmm. uh to be helped (laughs) so it's 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 such a supportive like jolt to the system it's the most practical tool I've ever found for figuring out how to live as yourself so I hope I hope it has some positive impact for listeners yeah thank you so much for coming here Um, thanks Bonnie uh, I'll see you soon (laughs) bye bye